Thanks for listening to the Faith Church Podcast. We are one church at five locations, streaming online every Sunday morning at live.faithishere.org. We hope that you're challenged and encouraged by today's message. And if you'd like to watch or listen to previous messages, or if you'd like to learn more about who we are as a church and how you can stay connected, head over to faithishere.org. What does it mean to love one another? Is it an emotion of the heart, an act of service, a force of the will? Can love ever truly be defined? We think so often in simple terms, but real love goes much deeper. It strengthens the weak, helps those in need, lives in harmony with all people, and holds us accountable. Love means carrying each other's burdens, admonishing and instructing, showing compassion and feeling it too, spurring one another to good deeds, confessing and forgiving, building and maintaining trust, being of one mind no matter our differences. Love means accepting others for who they are and allowing ourselves to be changed in the process. So love holds us together, grafted by faith into the one true Christ, whose example compels us to love one another. Well, good morning. Let me be the 18th person that says, Happy New Year to you this morning. You guys looking forward to 2018? Hey, I'm excited. I'm excited. I cannot believe how quick. I say this every year, but it does seem like things just continually increase and go faster and faster and faster. But 2017 is coming to a close, and I hope you guys had a great Christmas and were able to take a little bit of time just to pause and reflect and and also spend some time with family and friends. Um, We had a great time. We went up to Virginia, 19 degrees when we got up there the other day, excuse me. (laughs) Obviously, that made me choke up doing that. Um, But it's coming this way, so we're getting ready for uh, some cold weather in a few days. But we had a great time just uh, hanging out with some family and catching up, and I hope you guys got some good gifts. I got a nice gift, a Fitbit. Um, So my wife is telling me something. I need to get on it in 2018. Heather, help me out. So uh, I'm looking forward to putting aside those appetizers and getting right (laughs) again with the Lord when it comes to eating. Um, So I want you guys to turn, if you can, this morning to uh, 2 Corinthians 5. That's going to be our anchor scripture this morning. And uh, my message I want to talk to you about today is on community. And I'm thrilled to be up here to be able to preach. Um, I got to be on my best behavior because Pastor and Jeannie are in the room. So... You know, pray for me a little extra today. Now, I'm honored always to be able to to share in the pulpit and get the opportunity to bring a word with you guys and um, looking forward to what God has in store for us. And for those that don't know, I serve here as a discipleship pastor. I have people ask me sometimes, what does that mean? That's a good question. No, I do know that. Uh, I oversee small groups and uh, the development of those, our life point process, getting people connected into our church and through the membership process to seeing them own the ministry and find their place to serve and to grow. And then also just a lot of the different outreaches, activities that we have to get people connected. And I love it. I love it. I love seeing people come to Christ at an at a altar. But when they go deeper. That's what really gets me going. To see you come experience Christ is awesome, but when you go deeper with him and really start to see who you are, what your identity is and your purpose, man, that gets me excited because I've been on that journey myself coming to Christ at 19 and uh, seeing what God has done. It's just, it's amazing to watch. Um, So 2 Corinthians 5, I ask you to stand up this morning, stretch your legs one more time as we get into the word. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17. 
It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, and the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ ambassadors as through God was making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Lord, thank you for the, uh, the word this morning. Thank you for this time of worship. And we look forward to what you have in store. Keep us open and receptive to, to what that is. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys can be seated. <clears throat> and forgive me if I'm uh, drinking a little bit this morning from the water bottle, getting over a little bit of a sinus thing going on as well. Um, it's been going around quite a bit. But reconciliation, <clears throat> we hear this word quite a bit, reconciliation in this passage. It means to restore friendly relations. In the simplest terms, it's fence mending. And I like what David Tripp says. He says this, the church is not a theological classroom. It is a conversion, confession, repentance, reconciliation, forgiveness, and sanctification center. We're flawed people. Let me say that again. We're flawed people, place their faith in Christ, gather to know and love him better, and learn to love others as he designed. Isn't that good to know that you don't have to come in here this morning and have it all together? You don't have to be perfect. We serve a perfect God and we are imperfect people. Breathe in and breathe out. Isn't that good to know that this morning? That's something you'd be like, yes, that's good. I love this uh, quote here too in this passage, but beyond just this Sunday morning gathering, which is great, I love coming together with the body and worshiping. And man, our worship team, I think it's the best around the low country. They do a phenomenal job just bringing us into the presence of the Lord. <clears throat> and we've got to do our part though beyond the Sunday service to cultivate and to build upon that personal relationship with God vertically. This relationship is so important to us because if we don't have this, we can't have this. We can't have a horizontal relationship with others, a great experience of loving others in a wholehearted way. So we gotta experience that. We gotta experience a greater life horizontally with others. And you guys have been placed together by God as a community of faith. But what does that mean? And so we, I want to dig into that to you this morning, why this is even important to be a community of faith working together. First thing is we're connected. We are connected. Wherever humankind finds itself in the world, we cluster into communities, right? And um, I want you to know if you're a group leader, you probably are like, oh, I heard a little bit of this. I, I shared a little devotion with our leaders back in, um, in December, and I knew that this uh, back at the beginning of this month, I knew that this time was coming for me to preach on the 31st. And after I was done sharing that little devotion, it, it turned into a whole sermon that I want to share with you guys today. But what, is, what does this look like? Well, humanity, we all cluster into communities. Humankind cannot help but form communities among ourselves because the very nature of our creator God of the universe is communal. We see that with God. We see that we worship a God who is three in what? One. The triune God of the universe, God the Father, God the Son. Come on, those raised in Sunday school. God the Holy Spirit, there you go. All right, three in one in perfect communion and harmony. We see that perfect example in God. So it shouldn't surprise any of us that we're drawn to community because God is community himself. Humans are drawn toward it and we desperately need to be in community with one another. And the very essence of our being, being created in the likeness of God. Um, God is a community calling us as a people into the community with each other, in the community in connection with him and connection with others. 
And we see this spill out all over the canvas of creation. The Godhead has this conversation at the very beginning of time in the midst of creation being born and and created there, that, that beginning moments in Genesis. It says, let us make man in our image, like us. So male and female, he created them. And in Genesis 2, we start to see this unfold, this creation of humans with Adam and Eve. We're before their fall, before sin, we, 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 a lot of times fast forward past that moment, but go back before the fall, before sin entered into the picture here. Here's God had designed and created what was a beautiful thing, and there was vulnerability. There was openness. They were naked and unashamed. And they have nothing to hide with each other, nothing to hide with God. They are fully known. It's a beautiful picture of what God really meant for it to be when he created man and woman for relationship with him and relationship with each other. This design, though, and this creation, this this whole thing was short-lived because sin entered in and fractured everything, horizontally and vertically. And it isn't long after this, what happens is, what, what does Adam do when he's questioned by God? Well, first of all, they go hide. And God says, where are you? Even though God knows where they are. But he's like, where are you, Adam? And they're ashamed for what they already did. You start seeing that come on the scene. And then no one far after that, that we start seeing blame enter in to the first marriage for the first time. Adam points the finger at Eve and blames her for the mess that they're in. The blame game starts right then and there. And from those very beginning moments to, this, to today we're living in right now, we live in a fractured world that began at the fall of man. Sin entered and disconnected the true sense of community that was in place in the garden before the fall between God and humanity. And we've been striving ever since to, to reconnect to that, to connect to our purpose and what we're designed and meant for. And, and so many people try to find that in the world in others. Not even thinking of this, only looking at this, that they'll find it this way. But you can only find it this way first before you can ever give anything this way. So there's a relational fracture horizontally and vertically without Christ. And our lives are playing out in a day and age here in the 21st century where we, there's a, a deep hunger for communion. And we think we're connected. We think we're connected with this. We think we're connected with our device. We got Facebook. We got 1,969 friends on our Facebook page. But are they really friends? I'd really like to find out if they, if you really have that kind of deep relationship with 1,969 people, man, I give you a salute this morning, all right, if you can do that. But they're our friends, you know. But on social media, we, we have this friend list, but they're really, there's loose connections with other people. And this medium is a real shallow way of knowing that doesn't satisfy the soul. And I, I, I use social media, but I use it a lot in examples because I've been doing a lot of research and studies are showing that there's an effect of social media on our culture, on people. You see it in the, the millennial generation. It's been raised up with it. You know, I, I remember when Facebook came out in 2005 or six. I remember when the cell phone came out for the first time. Not the bag, but this big, gigantic black thing. It was about this big, and you're like, hey, what's up? You know, you only got every third word. But I remember when those things came out. Before that, was, we were all about the pager. Some of those in their 30s and 40s know what I'm talking about. Walking around school, hey, look at me, you know. But what's interesting about social media is it actually is aggravating the deeper parts of us for that longing, for real connection, real communion with other people. And it's sinking some into a depressive state. 
So if you've ever found yourself scrolling through on your device and you get this feeling of this low hum of agitation that kind of rises up inside of you, it's your soul wanting more than just that. You want real connection. And let me just be honest, there is no perfect moment when you're scrolling through and seeing stuff. You see that sun-kissed moment and uh, the pictures that were holding something, you know, like the Washington Monument in our hands, but really not, you know. And then you get the pictures of the family all together and they're just like, it took 30 pictures to get that smile from your children, okay? If you do not smile, I'm gonna ground you for the next decade. Oh, that's so beautiful. There's a story behind that, guys, okay? So sociologists will say this, that community defined is a perceived connection between a group of people based on overlaps of intent, identity, interest, and experience. Let me take you back to high school for a few minutes, okay? Some of y'all are there right now. Some of us gotta go back a little further, (laughs) okay? But I I think high school's a great example of what we can see here in community. The athletes form a community. They form a little community with each other. The theater drama kids, they form a little community with each other. The nerds, all those that we're gonna work for one day, they form a little community (laughs) with each other. Even the anti-establishment goth kids, they form a little community with each other, okay? You never see one mopey and dressed in dark walking around. It's usually 40 of them walking around together. They can't help it. We can't help it. To reject community is to form a community that rejects community. You can't escape it. We're hardwired by our creator for those things, to seek it and to find it. And we find it even as we try to ditch it. Even as we shake our fists at the establishment, we will simply organize around an anti-establishment. You can't get out from that communal nature of humanity. And as we read in this passage at the beginning here today in 2 Corinthians at the start, we're called to be a community of faith. He has reconciled us. Aren't you glad for that? He has reconciled us, those that are serving Jesus in here. You know he has given us the ministry of reconciliation and entrusted us to share this message with the world as he's working continually in us and through us. I remember years, 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 years ago, about 14 years ago when we first started ministry, about 15 years ago when we first started ministry, we ran across this one girl, and I remember she's like, I never sin. She'd been raised in church her whole life, and I was like, well, you know, Scripture says that you're a liar. She's like, what? And so I showed her in John, 1 John, you know, she's like, that's crazy. We are not perfect. I want to take you to 2 Peter 9. 2 Peter 9, verse 10 says this, but you are a chosen people a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who calls you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. That's so good. That's so good to hear that we have had our true identity found in Christ. There is an identity crisis because there's a disconnect here. Our identity is found in our creator. That's where we find it. We are his chosen ones, his children, adopted by his grace and love into the family of God. And as followers of Christ, we are different, but we're also the same. We may have different color of skin. We come from different backgrounds and experiences. Some of you were raised in church your whole life. Some of you came to Christ later, maybe just a few months ago or a few years ago. We may have different seasons in our life, but one thing that draws us together as Christians is we've been bought by the blood of Christ. We are adopted into the family of God. And we're called called to be more loyal to each other than anything else because of our shared identity in Christ. 
I want you to think about it. I, I have more in common with my Costa Rican or African friend that loves Jesus than I do the American that lives right beside me that wants nothing to do with him. I have more in common with them than I do this individual living beside me. And I, I know that may sound harsh, but that's the reality of the fact that we do have more in com- common. That is my brother in Christ. That is my sister in Christ. We have been adopted into the family. It's a household of faith that we're gonna spend eternity with. Look at each other and be like, I'm gonna spend eternity with you. <laughs> and we just had that, that time with our crazy uncle, right? <laughs> at Christmas. <laughs> but you and I have said yes to Jesus so we have commonality. And if you are not in relationship with Jesus, we want you to see and seek and find him and have that relationship to come into the family of God. Enjoy this journey with us. That is what draws us together in community. We have different stories, spiritual journeys, but the same message has woven us together that's found at the cross of Christ. I wanna spend this a little sideways, just a moment. I wanna take you to Psalm 51.5. I think this is real important. David writes in Psalm 51.5, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Let me say it again. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. We were born into sin. We were born into a sinful world and we are sinful because of Adam. But there's Jesus. But let me say this. I, I wanna say this as kind of a side note. I, we're raising the Bible Belt. I mean, you guys are, this is the Bible Belt. You know, I've moved here from Virginia and there's pockets of that in Appalachia. Uh, it's Appalachia, um, just to let you know, Appalachian. If you're not from there, you say Appalachian. We know you're, you're a foreigner, so that's okay. But it's Appalachian. So anyway, um, but what I noticed, there is pockets of that there, but we, in the deep south here, we are in the Bible Belt, which has its positives and its negatives. I mean, it does. We have a lot of freedom to express ourselves in ways that people even up north do not have. But I wanna say this. You can't be born a Christian. Okay. There's other religions that say you can be born that way. And we see some statistics that say, well, this population of this religion is growing like crazy because they, they take into account that they're born into that faith. But no matter where you are in your life today, your parents' faith does not save you. You have to come to a place, you've had to come to a place distinctively in your life to say, I need you, Jesus, where he has become Lord of your life. Now, I remember that place in 1994 in June at the little church that I got saved. I remember a distinctive moment when I opened my heart to receive him. And some maybe that you've been raised in church your whole life, though, you, you have to have a distinctive moment where you know he became Lord and Savior. Not my will, but yours be done, God. That's so important for us to know that. That's just a little something extra, but you can't say, well, I've, I've been a Christian my whole life because your parents' faith can't be passed down as an inheritance to you. You have to make that decision yourself. So we all have these same stories of redemption, the same Savior, and we have the same assignments. I want you to look again at at verse 18 that we read, the ministry of reconciliation. It says, therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. God has put us together on a team, guys. We're on a team We may be operating in different domains, but we're given the same task. We're called to be ministers of reconciliation, no matter where you land. My domain is vocational ministry. Before this ministry, it was IT. Your domain may be in the medical field, or it may be in law, or it may be as an engineer. Wherever you find yourself, in government, business, a teacher, wherever you're at, you're a minister of reconciliation. You have a message that needs to be shared. 
and your life is a reflection and example to everyone. So God's put us together on this team, but the questions come up is, how do we encourage one another? How do we stir up one another? How do we, uh, how do we get beyond the empty platitudes to real deep relationship, real deep communal connection with other people? We've gotta live that out as the body of Christ and then take it out to the world around us. We need each other. The Bible is clear on this. You have giftings. I have giftings. You have a story. I have a story. You see things through your lens of experience with Christ, and so do I. We need each other to become all that God has made us to be. But what we see sometimes in, is Christianity, I feel like sometimes here in America, looks so different than overseas or outside of the lower 48 in Alaska and Hawaii. It looks a little different. I remember years ago, I ran across a girl, and she, when we were, this is back when we first started doing campus ministry, and we were talking to her, and she was from uh, Mongolia. And as we're talking, I realized through that conversation, like, do you know Jesus? She said, yes, I'm a Christian. She's like, but I'm a real Christian. <laughs> okay, I didn't know there was a distinctive difference. And then we started talking about this, and it grieved me. She's like, you Americans are just, you're different. It's like you go to church on Sundays, but that's it. Ouch. She's like, I don't see anything different. Ouch. Okay, will you lead me in the prayer of salvation this morning? <laughs> That's what I'm saying to her. But what, what we see is this, this Christian and we're trying to walk out on our own. We come in, we hear a service, and we go back out the door, and it's, we do it solo, and that's not what it's meant to be. You're robbing yourself of what God has truly designed it to be. We're in it together. You don't walk this Christian walk on your own. You walk it out with other brothers and sisters in Christ. We live in a culture and time of crazy busyness where we just don't take time to pause because we're just, we don't know how. Some of us don't know how to stop and slow down a little bit. Or we don't want to slow down and really take the time to engage because a lot of that stuff that rises up inside of us are questions like, what if people actually really knew me? What if they found out that I really don't know squat? I don't have a clue where Genesis is. Well, that's easy. That's the first book. I'm sorry. That's all right, though, if you don't. What if they found out that I'm not perfect and I don't have it all together? Men, we don't want to be seen as weak. Women, you feel like you got to be perfect and have it all together. Let's not let everybody know us and let's make ourselves feel better by just going to church and then going home. And that's it. But this is not what the Lord has for you. There's more. This isn't his good design we're on a team, and he has put this, all the ingredients together. You, I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but I think you're here for a reason. You're here at this church for a reason. You're here in the low country. You're here in South Carolina. You're here in America parked here for a reason. God has a plan. God is working this thing out. It's a beautiful thing. We're all together connected. And that's what takes us from connection to communion, from connection to communion. God wants more than just that connection. He desires communion. I'm not, talking about the, I'm not talking about communion that we do in the church, okay? I'm talking about a communion with others, a communion with him. We see this in the Godhead. It's not a connection. It's a communion. There's a deeper, deeper level of knowing that's going on than just kind of being connected. And to understand these concepts around communing versus connecting is to get to the difference between knowing and being known. Do people really know you? We live in a world where knowledge is so easy to find. It can literally be found at our fingertips. And I could, I'm a sports guy and I love sports. And I could tell you all about my team and the stats of these players. And 
Um, I, I know a lot of that information of the people that I follow. And even as I know some of this, even maybe their pregame warm-up rituals, well, I don't really know that. That would be crazy. But I do know some of the stats of certain people, and you do too. If you follow something that you're passionate about, you know about those people. But you don't really know them. You know about them, but you don't really know them. And they probably don't know you, okay? But here's the thing. We, a lot of times, in the big picture of things, we use knowing to self-protect and shield against being known, we do it in all kinds of ways, at, at work, at church, with friends, maybe even at home with our family. And uh, there's a theory in psychology called mirroring, mirroring. And what it says, it's basically, there's an idea that you can never truly know yourself until you see yourself through the eyes of another. And every parent said, oh yeah, because you see it, that it's crazy. I see this in my own children and I'll, I'll, I'll do something and... Um, I get frustrated about something, which I never do, but no. <laughs> and I'm like, ah, you know, I'll say something under my breath, or I'll be like, oh my, and my, my kids will repeat me. And I'm sitting there going, oh my gosh, that is just like me. They just said something. And if you're a parent and you're raising kids, don't you end up repeating what your parents said to you when you threaten them with everything under the sun? Yeah, it's crazy. But you see yourself. There's a mirroring there. Hear me out this morning, guys. What God is desiring for us as his church is not loose connection with each other, but communion with one another. But I'm gonna be honest with you. This involves risk. I don't, I don't wanna just puff you up and say, oh, right, let's just go deep with everybody. There could be some consequences to these things. There could be some, some scary stuff here. It involves risk. It takes time to do this. It takes trust. It requires a lot of grace and forgiveness to make it happen. And it isn't easy. I think this is especially scary for men because we've been taught in so many ways that we've got to, we can't show no emotion, that big boys don't cry, we just gotta get her done, right? Gotta get her done, got to get that honey list done. You know, we don't, we don't take time to, to be open and transparent sometimes. It, it's a whole new way of self-protection. We hold up those shields to protect ourselves and just keep on with our busyness, but no one really knows us. You don't want anyone to know you, maybe here, you're here today, what's going on behind that shield. You don't want people to know that you're afraid that you really don't have a lot of faith, that your marriage is in survival mode, that you had a horrible argument over uh, Christmas with your family. You're lonely, you don't have any friends. You're not perfect, you're stressed out. You know what, welcome to the real world. But God, but God, you can get through this. You can find yourself on the other side. And I'm not, saying, but here, I'm not saying today that you just unload on anyone. After we're done today, I'm not saying you just go up and start word vomiting everything in your life to someone immediately. I gotta go to, I was going to go to Target. Ah, you know, and then you just start blah, 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 throwing everything out to someone. But here's the thing. Our hope is in the next few weeks to come as we move into 2018 for greater things that you will get into a small group if you're not in a small group. If you're in a small group, that you will start going deeper. Get beyond the empty platitudes and talk. Share your joys. People wanna hear what God is doing in your life. But also share your struggles so people can relate and connect and feel like they're not alone going through it. Guys, understand this this morning. You're always gonna be as sick as your secrets. We gotta be real. We gotta be real because we're in this together. 
The enemy of your soul wants to isolate you in those secrets. He wants to move you against or away and never toward others and isolate you from that. I remember uh, years ago, I, I did a small group with some guys and we started out and I, I kind of laid the groundwork and said, hey, this is where we're going the next few weeks. And after week one, I was about ready to throw the towel in because they were all cutting up, carrying on. They're like, this is crazy. This is so deep. We don't want to go here. This is, ah, I'm a guy. I'm good. Others like, I'm fine. I don't need anything. I'm telling you, by week five, we're all like snotting, tears, ah, you know, it was crazy. I mean, I'm doing it too. Dad issues came up, but we got freedom, we got victory, and we came out of that as a brotherhood. It was amazing. It was tough to get through. It was hard in the beginning, but once we got through the other side, it was like, hey, I'm with you no matter what to the end. And it was so great. And, you know, as I, I share this with you guys this morning, I, I would never preach anything that I'm not trying to live out myself. And I, I need accountability in my life. And I'll be honest, in, in a, as a pastor, it's, it's difficult. It's harder at times to, to find people you can really trust. Um, but I have that. And I got a guy that I call uh, back from where I moved from, and we talk uh, every Friday. We'll talk. Sometimes it's 30 minutes. Sometimes it's five minutes. Do I get in those conversations sometimes and want to keep it surface? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, yeah, man, I'm good, man. How about you? Yeah, great. Kid's good. You know, blah, 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 blah. All right, man, I got to go. I mean, but then you really, there's a moment there where you're like, I need to share with you about this. Or, man, I got to tell you what happened. This was just awesome. It's so important so that we move toward that freedom and move toward it with brothers and sisters in Christ. God wants that for us. He wants health this way. He wants health this way. When this is operating together, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. But moving toward this with brothers and sisters, it could, go risk, it could be risky, it could go bad. It, it, you may be betrayed by some goofball, don't have a clue what to do with it. You share all this stuff and they're like, uh, well, I'm gonna go tell so-and-so. No! <laughs> you know? It, it, it's, it's one of those things that at the end, though, it's still worth it to start that process. Use wisdom. You know, pray about this thing and, and confide maybe in, in someone, just one individual where you can be honest and transparent with. But the choice is yours. It simply comes down to it's you, your responsibility of how deep you wanna go. I, I want to uh, share this from C.S. Lewis, one of my favorite authors from a book called The Four Loves. He says this, to love it all is to be vulnerable. Love anything and your heart will be wrung and possibly broken. If you wanna make sure of keeping it intact, you must give it to no one, not even an animal. Wrap it carefully around with hobbies and little luxuries and avoid all entanglements. Pause. This is interesting. This is written in the 40s. And yet in the 21st century, can't we see this right here? Wrap it carefully around with hobbies and little luxuries and avoid all entanglements. Lock it up safe in a casket or coffin of your selfishness. But in that casket, safe, dark, motionless, airless, it will begin to change. It will not be broken. It will become unbreakable, impenetrable, irredeemable. To love is to be vulnerable. Man, that's powerful right there. And as I bring this to a close this morning, we, if we will take time to step back for a moment and really look at the big picture of things, God gives us some amazing, great examples of, of what I'm talking to you about today, of what he's asking of us through the creative masterpiece that he's made. You are a masterpiece if you don't realize that. And we see a masterpiece in the world around. I mean, some great, I mean, beautiful world that God has made for us. And we see this in the body made up of many parts. The eye needs the head, the, the, the hand needs the arm. And we also see this in nature. 
in a very natural, organic sense. I don't know if you've ever seen a, a cluster of aspen trees in the mountains. Um, I, I love the mountains. I, I do miss a hiking in the mountains. I just take the stroll on the beach now because here there are no mountains, obviously, and you're doing this the whole time. <laughs> so, so next summer, Jen and I were talking. We we're like, you know what? We're going to take our vacation and just go up in the mountains, do some hiking. I used to get on the Appalachian Trail and go through and meet people who had been on the journey for three months. I'm like, you're strange. No, <laughs> no it's, it's beautiful. And I love to see that. And I've, I've flown over the Rockies. I've been on the West Coast, but never really in Colorado and some of the places that you see the heart of aspen trees. Have you ever seen them? They're the most numerous kind of tree in the United States. And there's something really unique about an aspen tree that you may have not known. A single aspen tree is not the organism itself. It's a part of an aspen grove or clusters that are the single organism. What this means is there's a deep embedded root system and it shoots up all these aspens. So when you're looking at a forest of aspen trees, you're actually seeing one single organism. How crazy is that? One organism connected together. And uh, in Utah, there is, um, they say that the largest known to man is in Utah, 6,600 tons is what this grove is. That's, that's, that's insane. So the taller trees drink in the sun and they send it down to the smaller trees that are not getting sun because of the height difference. And then the smaller trees are pulling the nutrients out of the soil and shooting it up to the taller trees to help it out. This grove and cluster is working together all the time, even in the winter when you don't have any leaves on the trees. And at times the root system will defer nutrients from the healthier to support the sicker trees. The thing is, one of the most beautiful trees is actually a grove, a single organism, a strong root system where the healthy supports the weak and where nutrients are given to all for the good of the grove or cluster. That's my prayer for us as we move into 2018, that we will be like an aspen tree. Are you like an aspen tree this morning? What kind of community do you have with other people around you? What kind of communion do you have with those that are sitting around you. Maybe you've been in this church for 25 years and you, and you have some deep relationships and connections. Maybe you've been here for 25 years and you still don't feel connected. Maybe you've been here for a few months and you, you have it or you don't. Let's make sure, let's use some discernment, let's use some wisdom, let's go out of our way to really come into this together as the body. Not looking and cutting each other down when we're, when we're hurt, but we're raising them up. We're embracing each other. We're loving each other. We're, we're doing what it says in the beginning of this uh, video that I showed with you. We're one body growing together, hurting together, rejoicing, entering into victories and losses together in deep and abiding ways. And it lines up with our core values here at Faith. We want you to know God and be deeply connected with him. We want you to grow together. And our group fair will kick off next week here in this foyer and groups will kick off right after that. Get back plugged into a small group or get in one for the first time. We'll help you find the right one for you. And when you're in that, it starts to help you grow with others and discover your, your, your divine design and what God has for you. And it helps get you to a place to where you will start making a difference. You'll start making a difference in this church with others. You'll start making a difference in the community around you and becoming all God has called you. Thanks for listening to the Faith Church Podcast. We are one church at five locations, streaming online every Sunday morning at live.faithishere.org. 
We hope that you're challenged and encouraged by today's message. And if you'd like to watch or listen to previous messages, or if you'd like to learn more about who we are as a church and how you can stay connected, head over to faithishere.org.